Hey Zwifters, I'm Simon Schofield and this is the Zwiftcast coming up on this episode. The triumphal return of first attempt, very intense, no E, it's back, but how? Meet a true root hero, or is that route hero? Monica conquers it all. And pros on Zwift. Time for some of them to go to ride leader school? Well, let's begin, my friends, with two things. A quick hello and a small victory for the Zwiftcast. G'day, first Shane Miller. It's not the goddamn helmet. The Meilensteins are finally yours. <laughs> it took a while. It was my 14th attempt, and they were all very intense, but I did get the wheels finally. Oh, very pleased to hear it. And yo, dude, Nathan Guerra, uh, how's lockdown life, man? I put a pair of jeans on the other day for the first time in three weeks, and it was the most uncomfortable thing I'd ever done. I'm living in track pants. How about you? I don't know if anything's changed. Uh, I mean, at least for me, nobody would ever know if I was broadcasting in pajamas or not. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of used to – there's a reason why I have – I don't know why me and – uh, Mr. Tim Searle, we're going head to head for a while, but I mean, I am getting a tad bit stir crazy because I, I would get out and, from my mountain bike by now. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, the novelty has definitely worn off for me now, I can tell you that. Anyway, we get very few victories here on the Zwiftcast. I do remember claiming the change to the standy up cadence thing. But I think that was probably going to happen anyway, actually. But this, my fellow podcasters, this is a proper victory. First attempt, very intense, no E, is back. The legendary Zwift Strava segment, nobody knows why it's legendary, it just is, was culled in the great Strava cleanup, but it has returned triumphantly to be enjoyed by all. A very important person at Zwift heard us last week bemoaning its loss, Emails were sent, calls were made, lobbying was done, and hey presto, it's visible once once more. My work here is done, and look upon my works, ye mighty and despair. We can retire now, Shane. There's nowhere else to go, nothing left to do. <laughs> it's been a good week. I have the wheels. You have the uh, the segment back, Nathan. You're going to have to become, you know, step up to the plate and uh, yeah, hit a home run here, Nathan. What have you been up to, mate? Come on now. <laughs> oh, uh, Tim Wellens in a sprint. I won. How, how's that? How's that? There well, we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, Nathan, yeah, I, you know, when we eventually get this version of Jeff from Overwatch, which I'm told is in the works, victory will be total. That, you know, that was your idea. So, well, okay. I feel like we kind of have um, people putting their hat in. Already, <laughs> I feel like it's kind of happening a little bit. I guess we don't have straight up like here's the latest update and the YouTube video goes out, you know, or anything. But all of a sudden, there's a lot of more interaction going on amongst the community with Zwift employees, and I think there's a few people kind of tipping their hat toward it. Uh, and also the fact, I mean, Eric Min seems really, really active. I don't think he wants to be Jeff, but I want to know if the <laughs> listeners, I want to know if the listeners know who I'm talking about too. If they can name the Jeff, I got to do something. The Jeff, the person I'm thinking of, that's already kind of like doing that role a little bit. I want, I'll, I'll do, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take on some sort of challenge that whoever that yeah, winner but- is. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to usurp you there. We're looking at you, Wes Summon, I think. Oh, We're looking at you. Got me. Got me. Yeah. yeah. 
No, but it's, it actually, it's really, it's really good to see ways of talking more, more frequently to the community and in more detail, for sure. Okay, well, actually, an interesting stat from the whole very intense thing, which does explain a lot about the great Strava segment, Cull, as it shall now be known. Uh, here we go. This was this 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 is information was given to me. The average Strava ride outside hits approximately eleven segments. I have to say that does seem a bit low to me, but but that was the figure I was given for for a good average. And the average Zwift ride hits one hundred and fifty segments, or it did before the great Strava call. A hundred and fifty. Uh, Shane, you can see why things started getting creaky. That's a lot of processing. That's a lot of database queries and uh, yeah, lining up data and lining up ducks and things for every single ride. Yeah, but I do have to agree though, 11 segments is quite low. Um, actually, for where I ride, it's pretty quiet roads. So I probably get two or three segments. But around a busy town, that is quite low. But yeah, coming back to the uh, the topic there, 150 online. You could you imagine the processing happening in the background there. This is this is one for the green people, I think. So it, it's going to take less uh, energy to process these rides. We can claim that as yeah. a victory for um, yep, the greens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strava's turned a server farm off somewhere. You know, so yep. that's good news. Okay, well, a welcome update for the insanely popular, because of you know what, meetups feature. You can now invite up to 100 of your friends, doubled from 50, to any of the six worlds. That's going to be much appreciated, I think, Nathan. Yeah, it's going to be – well, actually, we already used it uh, this past night. We're doing the Volley uh, Tuesday night series, and – we were filling up registration. So this is immediately, it was kind of weird though. When I jumped into the meetup tonight, I ended up at the peers in an event and it said, and it Ooh. said we were going to the mountain KOM on the event. And I was like, what is going on here? And I don't know. I, I'm wondering if I was like, okay. And I, did I find something? And then I don't know if there's an event coming or something, or I somehow back ended into it, but uh, we got to the top of the KOM and there was an EF uh, banner there, the World Tour team. It was really weird. I was like, what is that? Is that there right now for everybody else or is that just in the meetup? It was really interesting. You can go back and see it on the – actually, me going into the pens was not on the broadcast. Uh, I almost wish I would have caught it because I wonder if that's a little bit of a leak or something. It's interesting. 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 Lots of action going on with me. So it's quite rightly. I mean, the demand for those is huge. And one person putting a, a little extra demand on those was a guy called Lionel Burney, who is one of the hosts of the very popular cycling podcast, which ran its own very first meetup on Swift a couple of days ago. Lionel is also, like so many, a recent convert to Swift. So I thought it'd be interesting to talk to somebody so closely associated with riding and racing outside about the new virtual world inside. Well, welcome to the Zwiftcast, to Lionel Burney, cycling journalist of long-standing, author, and probably most famously a co-host of the Cycling Podcast. Good morning, Lionel. Good morning, Simon. Thanks for having me. You uh, hosted a uh, cycling podcast group meetup on Zwift a day or two ago. How did that go? It went very well. Uh, well, I enjoyed it, and uh, a, a lot of people turned up, so we'll we'll do it again, I think, and see if we can get a few more people involved. Um, we also had a bit of a Discord chat, myself, Richard Moore, a couple of our producers. We had a bit of race radio going on as well. And uh, what I hadn't quite realised about the meetup was that 
as the ride organizer and host, I was, if you like, the control. So everyone was kind of zooming off and, and enjoying their ride around uh, Central Park. And I was kind of the anchor at the back. No one could get dropped by me. I hadn't kind of realized that that was how it worked. But the idea is that it's uh, inclusive. So, um, it, well, if you're, if you're slower than me, then, uh, well, fair play to you. But, you. but you won't be dropped by me, that's for sure. <laughs> the Discord ad, it really adds an additional element, doesn't it? And I mean, obviously, natural territory for you guys, audio. But I've never quite mastered the art of cycling and typing. I don't know how you get on with that. No, I mean, I'm I'm a bit of a um, novice when it comes to working out the real finer details of how Zwift works. I'll be honest, I'd gone probably 18 months, two years without actually using it. I did get really into it a couple of winters ago. And so coming back to Zwift during this lockdown has, has really, I've, I've really noticed, which perhaps people who've been using it all of that time perhaps haven't noticed, that, you know, the features have really evolved in um, a couple of years. And it's a, it's a, it's such a smooth platform now. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it wasn't before, but it really has st- stepped on a level. There's a lot more people on it, as far as I can tell. You know, the number of people using Zwift at any one time can can be huge, of course, at the moment. So many people are, are either legally restricted from going out on their bikes or are choosing not to go out on their bikes. And so indoor riding has really come into its own in, in this really strange period. Um, but the meetup aspect of it just means that you can connect with people whilst doing your hobby, which is what going out for a bike ride is really, isn't it? If you if you have the, the cafe ride on a Sunday morning, the theory is just the same. It's just the, the technology is different. It is a complete godsend in these, in these terrible times. Do you think, Lionel, that some of those who've been a bit sniffy about the turbo, and that doesn't include either of us, we both have long turbo histories, but do you think people who've been a bit sniffy about riding indoors will, will be less so after this, this thing? The old-fashioned turbos were a bit of a torture device, weren't they, in a way? You were you were trying to follow the pyramid of pain-type um, training programs from Cycling Weekly, or you, you didn't really have any idea of how hard you were going because there was nothing to gauge it. All you knew was that you were dissolving into a sort of pool of sweat on the kitchen floor. And so I'm, I'm not sure you could honestly say that turbo training or turbo riding was, was uh, something that anyone really – love doing i think the difference with something like zwift and and the other programs on zwift i mean i was riding at a pretty modest wattage um i won't embarrass myself by uh, saying how low my wattage was but i was just going for a social ride whereas other people you know uh, within the, the parameters of the same ride can go harder on the climbs um, I, I really think that the technology has has changed the game in the sense that the smart trainers, which can um, increase the resistance without you having to do anything. I mean, do you remember on the old turbo trainers kind of shifting across the block and winding it up and feeling the tire slipping on the roller? And it was, I mean, it wasn't a pleasant thing to do. And I think, you know, we're, well, perhaps we're, uh, about the same with, with sort of long in the tooth. The, the memories of those sessions and, and those years of it being a really unpleasant and, and quite dissatisfying um, sort of process, perhaps the hangover of that is still lagging for some of us. <laughs> yeah, but but quickly changed, I think, by, by a ride on Swift. Let, let's move on a bit, uh, Lionel. We're, we're both huge fans and, and you're, of course, very closely associated with, with bike racing in real life. Now, uh, we all know what, terrible state that's in at the moment but we have seen some racing on virtual platforms like swift um, notably the ineos race of the alp uh, a couple of weeks ago which got a, a very large viewership 
Do, do you think there's any kind of future for this kind of racing, even, even when the world, whenever that might be, gets back to normal? I think there is a future for it, I, I, but I can't see it replacing no. the, you know, the, the thrill. It's, well, but I don't think anyone is saying it's, it's in order to replace anything. I know it wasn't on the Zwift platform, but the, the Tour of Flanders event, I, I tried and I, went, I watched it with an open mind. And, and you know, there was, I enjoyed it to a point, but I, frankly, I, I was just made acutely aware of what we were missing. You know, there is a fascination about the numbers that the, the pro riders can hit and sustain, and I completely understand that. But speaking purely personally, bike racing for me is not just a numbers game. It's it's a historical, geographic, cultural... Visual, visual. Visual, absolutely, yeah. But in terms of, of racing, I think there will be something in it i and i i know richard moore has, has said before on our podcast the idea of having a kind of a stadium event within an auditorium with the riders on stage side by side and a crowd i could see that taking off as a kind of a winter exhibition type event having been at the world championships in harrogate and watched the watch the Zwift racing there. The thing that made it was the fact that the room was full everyone was enjoying a beer it was a social event there was a bit of cheering Watching professional riders in their garages or spare rooms or pain caves, um, once the initial kind of curiosity of that had worn off, um, I'll kind of the, the mystique of these great athletes was kind of diminished a little bit for me. I'm not sure I could could go and cover a virtual race. I mean, I, I just at the moment I can't get my head around how that would work. I, I'm kind of longing for the real thing to come back. Let, let's talk about the real thing, Lionel. Can the tour really? go ahead i mean it just seems terribly unlikely to me well that that is the question to which no one really knows the answer at the moment and it's not going to be down to the likes of you and i or even the or even the teams or even aso to make the final call is it it's going to come down to the french government it's going to come down to you know global governments and authorities will borders open in time to allow riders and media and what have you to to travel to France. We just don't know at the moment. But what I do think is important is that we fix on the fact that it will come back at some point and it will come back in some form. I could I could see it happening on a really reduced kind of scale in terms of a, a much smaller entourage, maybe the likes of uh, me you know, wouldn't be able to travel and cover it. And, and the only media would be that, you know, the, the people who are required to get it onto TV, for example. I could see something like that happening. But I, I, I can see why ASO need, you know, they have a need to kind of... Sustain the um, hope, almost. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't think they can be criticised for that. I mean, you know, ASO is, is, is just trying to stay alive and keep the Tour de France alive. And I think we also have to remember that the tour itself is a huge symbol of French prestige. Um, you know, it shows off the country, it, it boosts morale, people plan their, you know, their weekends or their, their holidays around it, not just in France, but a, across the world. And I think that the, the importance of the tour shouldn't be either overstated or understated. And I think we've got to kind of trust that no one is going to put on a Tour de France in conditions that aren't safe for the riders and the, the other people that will be working and following the race. So personally, 
if you said to me, do I think it would go ahead on the 29th of August? I'd have to say I have no idea. I'd like to think so, because if it does, that's great news for all of us, because it means we're moving through um, this pretty horrible process and, and seeing some light on the other side. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I don't know is, is probably the only, only honest answer to that. But that was really interesting context. I mean, I think the thing that really worries people and perhaps why ASO is is going so far down the road of sustaining hope is the damage that will be done by pro to pro cycling by no tour. I mean, incalculable. Well, teams... That their their entire existence depends on the tour. I mean, I know that there's going to be some scrabbling for position on the new calendar, whatever that may be, whenever we may resume. Uh, but but really, if you are another stakeholder, if you're a team whose survival depends on some racing, and you were given the choice between the tour and even the Giro going ahead, I would say all of them would say we need the tour because it's the one that, that gets all of the, the coverage. It gets all of the attention. In our little world of cycling, you know, where, where we celebrate and love the classics and the smaller stage races, we sometimes lose sight of that a little bit. We lose sight of how the tour punches a hole far bigger than any of the other races. Finally, uh, Lionel, um, I mean, how's your little empire coping? Um, I mean, I know you've got other gigs, but it must be pretty tough running a cycling podcast when there's no cycling. Uh, well, I haven't got any other gigs these days. I mean, the, the cycling podcast has grown, uh, thankfully, to the point where it, I'm able to concentrate on it full time. I cover, well, we all cover all three of the Grand Tours. We'll try to get to the Classics. Last year, we did the World Championships in full for the first time. Um, how has it impacted on us? Well, we, on on the editorial front, we haven't found any shortage of things to talk about. I mean, <laughs> The last three or four weeks have probably been our longest regular episodes ever. And I think that's because there's no boundary. There's no limit to what we could talk about. Normally, it would be, let's talk about the, the Tour of Flanders that's just happened and the Paris-Roubaix that's just coming up. Whereas now, we've kind of unlocked this sort of trove of memories that between the three of us, uh, we, we've got sort of 60-odd years of covering the sport between us, plus the, 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 the memories of the stuff that we've researched and written about over the years. So editorially, we're not... Um, we're, we're not having too much trouble. Audience figures have held up pretty well. There was an initial blip as everyone's daily routine got completely ripped up. We're, we're, here, we're noticing kind of differences in when people are downloading. So the kind of the, the morning spike of the, the commute, I guess, um, that has gone because people aren't commuting or a lot of people aren't commuting. In terms of commercial, you know, advertising is going to take a hit. Um, it already has started to. So, you know, that's something that we are going to be more concerned about as time goes on. This kind of conversation, I mean, we're not in the same room. We're talking online. I mean, the, the fact that this technology has really improved in the last 18 months is uh, is also a a real blessing because it means that we can we can call people up and most people are being very um you know they're very keen to talk at the moment because well let's face it there's not a lot else to do is there <laughs> to, to do, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. no i must say these kind of conversations uh, are a highlight of my day that that much is for sure uh, lionel very very grateful for your time uh, excellent thoughts really pleased to hear that the cycling podcast is not taking a taking a big hit because it's it's very very popular and reluctant as i am to publicize uh, another <laughs> podcast I, I make an exception for yours because uh, it's a, it's a cracking listen it really is lovely to talk to you lionel thanks very much indeed for your time thank you very much simon
Okay, well, will the pros be in the tour? Will the tour be on at all? Who knows? But where the pros definitely are, are on Swift. Now, I love seeing pros on Swift. It's great. It's a real thrill. And we've seen more and more in recent times. I think we can agree on a general capital letters. This is a good thing. Point, Shane. Pros on Swift. They definitely bring the numbers for sure. Ever since day one, we had Jens Voigt on. Uh, was Lawrence Ten Dam on as well? Or, I mean, yeah. there's a few pros early on who got on there and they really brought the numbers. I mean, that's where the Yenzi effect um, quote came from, that uh, Yenzi would bring down the servers. That many people would want to ride with them. And that's what we're seeing with all the, the group rides, the Mitchelton Scots, the Lotto Sedals, uh, the every other team, the Movie Star team now on board. Um, they're just bringing the numbers and from all different parts of the world. I saw a lot of Spanish yeah. people on there for the movie star ride. So yeah, I'm all for it. more pros on and if they can interact and, uh, yep, just enhance the experience of everyone else, I'm all for it. Yep. Okay. So that's the first plank of this little rational platform constructed. We love pros on Swift. Nathan, I think we can also agree, can we not, that Zwift is potentially a brilliant way for pro riders to engage and interact with fans, especially as we have no bike racing right now. Are you with me on that one? Oh, 100%. I mean, you see, I saw the other day there was uh, one of the Trek Sigafredo guys was on and like 213,000 views and nothing but constant chatter. And he was, it was like a stream with him and his mates though. It wasn't like, it was just him riding in Zwift, like the Garrett Thomas thing, just Zwift in the corner, mainly him on screen, and like a hangout Twitch stream. It was like Shroud except for on, on Zwift. I was like, wow, this is really cool. And that brand experience, I think, hits closer to home when you're riding with people and interacting with them directly. I mean, that's where your, your heroes come out in some ways. A lot of times when you go and you meet somebody, you see them at the race, and getting that up close virtually too i think and and knowing that like there's some sort of connection that's more than just through the tv i guess you know like um it, it brings it brings it home a little more well doing the same thing doing the same thing having it having the same exactly. experience riding a bike exactly. in real so i time. think that it's uh it's more relatable and i think that as far as especially from a branding i mean because really when you talk about it pros what what's it all about it really is all about the team it's about you know what it's bringing uh with products and like loving the individual too if they have an awesome personality and loving their results and all that kind of stuff but i mean it, it, like there's a business side to it and it really brings all of that together i think in a stronger way than we even in my opinion than you would get in um just watching it on tv it's a little more far removed Absolutely. Okay, so that's the second branch of the logic tree built. Uh, just a quick recap here. We love Pros on Swift, and Pros on Swift is potentially a brilliant way for them to interact with their fan base. All right, so let's move on. And I'm going to relate this to some of my recent experiences. So this is not stuff I've heard. This is stuff I've actually done. Ineos rides in the C&D groups for me. Uh, top marks Ineos. Uh, the pros behaved impeccably. Chattably, chatty, 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 and most importantly, they kept at or very close to the advertised pace. The same, if not actually better, for a recent Israel Startup Nation group ride. Special mention for Andre Greipel, who was the sweeper. He stayed with the very slowest riders up Leith Hill and was an absolute gent. Double top marks. Now, 
Unfortunately, it's not always this way. I did another group ride. I won't name the Australian sprinter who was leading it, Caleb Ewan, but it was a shambles. He took <laughs> off from the start of four watts a kilogram, and I don't think he said a single thing in text the entire ride. Hundreds of Zwifters who turned up for the ride just to ride with him uh, could could not have been happy. And if, in fact, they weren't. I saw the evidence myself. They were pretty vocal. And that ride, I have to say, it was a very unpleasant atmosphere. Um, now, I didn't do this ride, uh, but a very reliable witness says the recent Movistar ride was, if anything, worse. Pros taking off at crazy speeds and very limited engagement. No stars out of five. Now, Shane... I love Movistar, actually mainly for their fantastic comedy value. Um, <laughs> but this is just not a good look, is it? Not if they've promoted it as come and ride with us. We want to ride with you. Uh, you know, let's let's ride our bikes together. No, they can't take off off the front. Now, there is definitely an onboarding process. It's, uh, I mean, all of us go through initially when yeah. we're leading a ride or, or knowing what a good experience is. Some riders get it, some don't. Cyclists are very competitive beasts. They'll want to get on and go, oh, of course we, we said it was going to be two watts a kilo, but everyone's riding hard, so I'll ride hard too. There's a bit of pack mentality there. That's going to happen. Um, they really do need to keep to the pace or maybe be coned. I think we start coning ride leaders if they don't stick to the pace. <laughs> that, will be, that will be quite a sight to see. We'll get to the education thing in a minute because, you know, this may not be the pros' fault exclusively. They, they may just not know what the hell they ought to be doing but nathan you know i do think that one of the problems is that some pros are, are seeing this actually as a training ride you know and it's really not it's the equivalent of standing outside the team bus and posing for selfies or signing jerseys isn't it yeah i think there's definitely that i mean if the communications aren't across about what is going on then you know half half the pros might be like thinking about all the pros that got whooped on in races. <laughs> We're like, well, I better go fast at the start of this ride because I don't know what's going to happen, you know? And and then some of them are like, I don't ever ride a trainer. I got it. I don't want to do that. I'm going to get my training ride in and, you know, and, and just sitting there pedaling along. And I mean, there's this weird like thing happening here where they don't take it seriously enough again, <laughs> kind of a thing almost, you know, like um, with it, what like it was with racing, except for now you got to go slowly, slower. Yeah, so, yeah. But the thing um, is, pro, I mean, pros are used to doing what the team says for promotional purposes. I mean, we've all seen these pros, you know, smiling through gritted teeth as they keep sponsors happy doing something ridiculous. And, and, and you know, it's part of the job description. Uh, and, and But again, maybe this comes back to an education thing and we'll, we'll get on to that soon. That's, go on, go ahead. Well, then that's just got to be communications. Yeah. I mean, really, right? If they're most, if most of them understand the PR side, and a lot of them have been in this game for a while, then it's got to just be the communications and how it's coming yeah. across. Yeah, um, and unfortunately, it's getting mixed up with actually riding a bike. And the average pro rider thinks, well, you know, I know how to ride a bike, so I'll just ride a bike like I normally ride a bike. All right, Shane, let's let's be a bit more constructive. What's the solution here? One of our correspondences with cast listeners came up with what I thought was actually a brilliant idea. Pair the pro with an experienced Zwift ride leader. So let the pro do the talking and the ride leader do the leading. 
Yeah, absolutely. I still want to give them an opportunity to ride and interact, but it can be a little overwhelming at the first time. If you haven't got a proper keyboard, if you're using the companion app with the phone and trying to keep an eye on things, there's a lot going on for the first few rides there. So if you can pair up somebody with a mentor, teach them how to do that. Video conferencing works all over the world. We can have it sort of you know, dual running side by side. They can be on Zwift plus a video conference plus typing things in. Um, that will definitely work uh, really, really well, I think. Mm. I mean, do you think it, this is an education ish, issue? Do, I mean, do, do you think, uh, I mean, you know, let, let's give the pros the benefit of the doubt here. Do you think a lot of them just don't really realise what it is that they should be doing? I don't think they realise how connected the community is and what the community expectation is. We've all been on Zwift for many, many years. A lot of the listeners have probably been with us on the journey as well for many, many years. We know what a group ride is about. If they've only just been on Zwift for a few weeks and haven't really interacted and don't quite get it, and I guess it's a little, a little harder nowadays to get it when the bunches are so big. We've been on when our bunches were two or three. That was it. And there was seven people on Jarvis Island. We knew what the community was about and we saw that grow over time. When there is so many thousands of that, there's 32, was it 34,000 again online? You kind of lose that sense of connectedness to the rider next to you. It's just another rider. Whereas before you'd have a chat to them and lead them out for the sprint and then you, know, you add them on Strava as a friend. So you lose that sense of community with so many people around. So the pros might be getting a little bit of that, but having a mentor for them or just having an onboarding process to say, no, they're real humans. That's not a computer game. Every other avatar you see is a real person person who's potentially your number one fan you need to treat them like that yeah yeah and in fact as as proven by a couple of eps ago you know that guy who was um went on the cab ride cab was broadcasting live on 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 instagram and he picked the guy out to talk to and lo and behold you know the guy was a massive cab fan so yeah. you know i think that's a really really good point Nathan, if we accept this probably is about educating the pros in the ways of Swift, then where, where does that responsibility lie? Team, you know, team management, rider themselves, what's expected of me, or should there be some kind of training module that Swift provides for, for pros? It depends on the interaction, I think. I think that, I mean... Where's the invitation? Was or was the approach coming from the t like if a team makes something happen, then it's on the team. Like, what are we trying to get out of this? And what you'll get out of it if you're just, just showing up and throwing somebody on the platform? Well, there's what you got yeah. out of it. Kind of a, you know, if it's not communicated, if there's an invitation from Zwift, then I think Zwift and they're like facilitating it, then they should also facilitate those communications. So I could I guess the the responsibility lies on who's instigating the uh the exposure to that athlete to the fans and creating you know help to create the ride the driving force there's responsibilities on mm -hmm. them and if there's pros that are really asking for it then you know they should also be asking what's expected of me if they're trying to push things out there and there are ones that do that you know i'm going to shout out to jeremiah bishop he is doing an amazing job of using the platform right now and super engaging, interacting on every single ride and, and, and even creating his own meetups and rides right now. Um, that's one who's totally taking the bull by the horns and going, I'm going to see how this can interact with my brand, with the brands that support me. And so, um, you know, there's where the lies on him because he's the one instigating. Yeah. So wherever the invitation lies, I think that's it. Yeah. And, and to be fair to the pro rider community, which, you know, I always like to try to do because I, I, I admire these guys, you know, hugely. Um, not all of them are guilty of this behavior by, by a long chalk. I mean, I've seen some absolutely fantastic work by pros on, on Zwift and particularly those rides I singled out at the beginning of this. I mean, uh, the way that Greipel 
literally dragged the slowest rider up Leith Hill was just a fantastic thing to see. And a lot of them get it right. Ineos got it absolutely, wholly, completely right. And that was because you think, hmm, I think Brailsford said to them, you know what, guys, this is what we expect from you. This is what we want you to do. This is how it works. This is the practice day we'll have the day before. You know, textbook stuff. Let's see... um, Let's see some more of that from from more teams, I think. Okay, there we go. Made the point there. Let's move on. Right on. Right, I think it's about time we heard from Route Hero. Those words don't sit easily on my English tongue. Route Hero, but you know what I mean. Monica Slange, who was set a challenge by her work colleague and husband, editor of Swift Insider, Eric Slange. Inspired by this suggestion from her dear husband, Monica agreed to ride all 67 routes on Zwift. Now, that's just think about this. That's just shy of 1,400 miles. That's kind of about an, a half of a Tour de France. It's almost four Everests, a total of 110,000 feet of vertical or 33,500 metres of climbing. A real achievement. Anyway, she's done it, and I caught up with her. Well, welcome to the Zwiftcaster, Monica Slanger. Hey, Monica. Hello. Why did you want to do this? I mean, I know when you Monica does the mountain, that I, I know you found that very inspirational, the kind of support you got from the community. So why start this? Back in December, I was thinking about a way that I could have more accountability to be on my bike more um, starting in January, because I'm just not super motivated, like pushing myself was riding for more than 30 minutes. Eric's always looking for content for uh, Zwift Insider anyway, and I really enjoy writing. So it just kind of came together like, wait, I could ride all of the routes and maybe people would want to do the same thing and they would want to hear how it went for me. So it might inspire them. I don't know. And so I had him put it together. I can can see why you're why your Machiavellian husband might have encouraged you to do this thing, but it's you that's done it. That's the important thing. Was the whole thing harder or easier? I I think I'll just go with, was the whole thing harder than you thought it might be? So much harder. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Actually, you know, one of the biggest things is I wasn't thinking about how much time I was going to need to invest each week as the weeks ramped up. And so that was harder was, oh, I just kind of took on this part-time job to ride and write. And between the two of them, I was just more and more time was being spent on the bike or in front of the computer talking about being on the bike, which actually was great, except there were definitely things in my life that had to kind of fall by the wayside because I just didn't have that extra time. So <laughs> like parenting and that kind of thing. Right. Or or making dinner. <laughs> what which was the hardest one, Monica? Physically, the the hardest one was the Uber pretzel by far. That's not the longest one. And that wasn't the one that was even was on my bike the longest, but it was definitely the hardest. How long did that take you? It was eight and a half hours of riding. <laughs> It was, yeah, with about two hours of um, breaks throughout. Well, it's 88 miles, but with um, 8,000 feet of elevation, it's just so much climbing. And I am not fast. That was, you know, after this whole COVID-19 stuff is happening. So I'm trying not to deplete my immune system. So then that makes me even slower. So, yeah, that was was, uh, painful. But 
mentally, the most difficult one was just the standard Watopia pretzel, not even the mega pretzel, but the regular pretzel, because I was thinking it would take maybe only three hours. And so I scheduled it in between two different church events that were only four hours apart. And I still needed to get ready for the second one. And so I was pushing, pushing, pushing myself. It ended up being a four hour ride. I only took 12 minutes worth of breaks and I had 25 people coming over that were supposed to be coming to my house. I wasn't ready. I hadn't made dinner. There was something anyway. So like mentally I'm like on my bike crying, uh, causing like exercise induced asthma. It was, it wasn't, it wasn't good. (laughs) Monica, you and I, uh, we've met in real life and, uh, uh, and we, we, we spend quite a lot of time chatting online and stuff. And you, you famously never curse. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> How close did you come? I didn't. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, my mother did a good job of ingraining into me. Like you don't even say the slightly naughty ones because <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well done. Um, so obviously, as, as you said, this predated lockdown. Has it kind of helped you get through lockdown a bit? Or or was it just, this is a thing I've got to do anyway, lockdown or no lockdown? I would have sat around the first few weeks of lockdown like, oh, we're on vacation. You know, I don't know what I'm doing with my life anymore. And so mm. it really motivated me um, to keep, keep writing a lot. <laughs> Yeah, no, I can see that. And the public scrutiny, because you, like you say, you, you, you raised the word very early in the interview, accountability. Um, did that make it harder or did it make it more motivating? And I'm talking about the whole thing now. I mean, I could see how it could do that for a couple of rides, but maybe the novelty wore off after a bit. You know, people have been so excited and encouraging and have also been doing the same thing that, and constantly writing in and constantly in game messaging me and stuff that it's, it's just been really motivating. Um, and I kept seeing the same names over and over again. So kind of getting to know everyone, but it, it was definitely very, very motivating. Yeah only motivating. And indeed, the aftermath, I mean, the effects on your fitness must be pretty significant. Yeah. I wasn't really paying attention to calorie in and out because I just couldn't focus on too many different changes at once. But I did lose nine pounds over the was it 13 weeks. Yeah. And then um, I'm just so much stronger. Before everything got shut down, I would volunteer at the hospital. I had to go pick up stuff every week and I would like go bouncing up the the stairs up to go get the stuff. And I finally realized like, wow, I'm like running up these stairs and I'm not winded at the top. And I just like every week I'm like, check me out. I mean, I wasn't telling anybody that but in my head. I'm like, wow, I'm so strong. I just feel really good. I feel really good. And I feel really proud of myself. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. And I've, I've had the same. I did a very, 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 very difficult thing out outdoors once over, over a course of five days. And that was my overwhelming feeling at the end of it. I was quite, I was, I was chuffed with myself, you know, yeah. and it's yeah. quite a nice, nice feeling that yeah. I guess given lockdown, it's also been pretty good for the old mental health thing as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 
Well, listen, a massive congratulations, Monica. You are going to keep it up now, aren't you? You are going to use this newfound fitness. I am. I don't want to lose it. So um, I've already ridden almost as many miles in this year as I did for all of last year. And so I think what I'm going to do is try to um, double what I did last year. And so kind of schedule that out of how many more, how many miles I have to ride each week to make that happen by December. And uh, if people want to read about the thing... the Monica Chronicles, as I call it, that's what you should. That's what you should call it. Uh, there, that's all over Zwift Insider, isn't it? It is, and you can actually just uh, search my name in the search box, and all the stuff that I wrote comes up. All the agony and the ecstasy laid yes. out before us. <laughs> yes, <laughs> lovely to talk to you, Monica. Thanks for telling us about it, and very, very well done. Great achievement. Thank you. The girl done good, Nathan. Yeah, that's uh I don't have all the badges. I mean now I gotta go do this. Like now I'm like I was listening to 14, I was listening to all those stats and I was like, okay, now I feel the chat. And I was gonna do I was gonna do some of these with her actually. There was like some planned rides and stuff forever, and I I totally uh, you know, no excuses. Like, holy crap. <laughs> well done, Monica. I need to you're gonna I'm gonna be streaming and my stream titles are now going to be catching up with Monica this route. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a real, real, real achievement. Actually, it's a fantastic achievement. I mean, she did, she did so well with it. Uh, Shane, I see Von is is back in the saddle. I watched a bit of your stream with you and her climbing uh, the Alp last night. How um, how long has it taken her to get back in shape uh, after after giving birth to Max? Uh, it was a few months before she got back on the bike. Uh, having the smart bike, though, does help. It's just there, and she could just jump on. She didn't have to get the bike out of the uh, the garage and take the wheel off and put it on and make sure the trainer was there. The bike is there and built all the time. I've got smart trainers in parts everywhere. Uh, so having the bike was a little uh, an incentive for her to just to jump on and do an easy spin. So a few months. But, uh, yeah, last night we tackled the Elp de Zwift as a group meetup and all for, to tick off that badge. So she now has the badge for the Tour of Fire and Ice route. That's been ticked, um, but she didn't get the wheels, though, at the top. However, <laughs> I did. I got a second set, two in a row. Oh, you are joking. Oh, I, I claim I, I was pretty happy at the top. I was almost happy getting the second set, which means absolutely nothing. I think I might get a, a 1,000 XP or something, but I, I proclaim that I'm now the wheel king. Tiger King is done. I'll be having my own Netflix series <laughs> just talking about the wheels. Uh, I was pretty excited there at the top. <laughs> But no, Von's, Von's doing really well though. She's uh, yeah, back enjoying it. She did a little bit of the Zwift. I think it was the Zwift Tri Academy. A few of the women's rides there, um, but just you know, slightly does it. And and as with any time, you, you can use Zwift for twenty minutes, five minutes, fifteen minutes, forty-five minutes, or like last night, two hours. I talked into riding with me. It doesn't matter. You know, you know, you can just step off and step back on the bike whenever you want. So the shorter, the longer, it doesn't really matter. Von's been using a combination of all of the above, and yeah, she got to the top last night. Excellent, excellent, and and how? Because she was in, she was in very good shape, Vaughn, wasn't she? She used to race at a national level, yeah, yeah, before Max came along. (laughs) (laughs) And is she is she confident she'll get back to that kind of shape or something approaching it? I think so. It's that mentality. And I mean, I'm guessing the listeners, have, you know, this, if you've got that fight, if you've ever been in the racing game yourself ever and been at the front end of a race, no matter what grade it is, the front of a race is always the same. The mentality is always there. You just have to wait for the legs and the lungs to catch back up. And if you're mm-hmm. determined, you can get back there. So I, I think she'll want to be back there pretty soon and uh, knocking off the Alp a few more times to get those wheels. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, it was great to see that stream. I watched. I I I kind of turned it on thinking, oh, I'll watch a bit of this, and I actually ended up, you know, uh, while I was cooking, yes, another meal for myself. Uh, I ended up watching more of it than I thought I would. It was uh, it was pretty entertaining. Um, okay. Well, something else I want to discuss with you two, um, and this is the fence. This is a thing where my position seems to uh, be, shall we say, somewhat inconsistent. Um, as we know, the fence is currently out of action. It was due back, but it's not uh, been cited much, if at all, uh, in recent weeks. And I've been doing a lot of group rides since this thing hit us. And many of those have been at kind of different times of the day, just to mix it up a bit, as everybody's habits, including mine, have been changing. So I've seen a real variety of different rides led by different groups and clubs and, and been on, on, on a good few of them. Um, and as the fence is not back on any kind of regular basis, I just want to talk about how we as a community are adapting to its absence. And do you know what, you two? I think I am beginning to think we could live without it. In fact, I might even think that when the fence returns, it might actually just be a bit annoying. Uh, now, I completely acknowledge I'm doing a bit of a flip-flop here. I previously thought the fence was a really good thing in that it gave discipline and structure to group rides. And obviously, there is still a case to be made for that, perhaps on, on the slower rides. But on the kind of mid-paced or, or fast-paced rides, not that I've been on many fast-paced rides, let's confine my experience to the mid-paced rides, but on those they do seem to have settled into a kind of good pattern. So those who want a quicker ride, let's call them flyers, uh, they fly off the front and the flyers themselves settle into a number of differently paced groups. And those who want to ride at the advertised pace simply sit with the beacon. Flyers are gone early, others coalesce around the beacon as long as the beacon riders don't get stretched out early by the flyers, which I've not seen happening, it's happy days. I mean, I must say, Shane, this, this, it, again, this is only my experience, but it seems to have settled and self-regulated so that you can have a group ride which actually satisfies a whole different set of constituencies because it, it naturally filters out into those who want a quicker ride, slightly less quick ride. You know, you find your group and the ones who want to stick with the beacon stick with the beacon. So, you know, I must say, like I say, I'm a bit inconsistent and flip floppy on this, but but what do you think? It depends on the ride itself. Uh, something like the AHDR ride where there's an after party lap where there is a race at the end and, and um, places given can be completely ruined by flyers. If you do the race and you're flying along and you end up winning the bunch kick with who you think you're racing and you're 19th place, that's not right. That's not what that mm -hmm. group ride is about. So there is a place for the fence. So I think you're seeing the world there, Simon, through rose-colored glasses of a few rides that just, you know, everything's a bit happy days. But I, I think mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things, it's it's a good utility to have if managed correctly by the ride leader. Now, if the ride is being split apart, the ride leader can choose to turn the fence off to push the fence out or bring the fence back. There's a whole, uh, I guess, uh, skill to managing the fence and, uh, and managing that group if it needs to be there and then be able to take the fence off at the end and everybody have a race. Uh, I like the fence. I like it to be optional um, and also configurable on the fly. So I think we need it back for a few events, especially for the newbies. The last thing you want is a newbie to come along 
and then join a ride that, that's at mm. 2.5 watts a kilo. They end up doing three watts a kilo and think, what the hell was that? That wasn't what it was advertised. But okay, is that how everything is? No, that's not how everything is. That's some undisciplined riders being allowed to go off the front. Whereas if the fence was there, they'd get booted out. They'd get you know, just tasered a little bit uh, to keep in line. Uh, that's my take on things. I could give or take it as long as it's optional. It's a lot of things we see with Swift. People say, is it a game? Is it a race? Which one? Well, it can be both. Is it, yeah. Uh, yeah, is it for the serious races or for the people who just want to go for a ride? Well, it's both. It doesn't need to be either or. So for the fence, either or. Mm. No, I mean, I agree with you. And I think the fence absolutely definitely has a really, really useful function on those slow pace rides that, that, that appeals to, to newbies. I completely agree with that. Um. My worry, Nathan, is that when the fence comes back, it will transform some of these group rides. I mean, I'm only highlighting the ones I've been on, but, you know, I've been on a few where you can get the ride you want without upsetting anybody else just by finding the right pace group for you. And I worry that when the fence returns, those races, those rides just pick up races. You see what I did there? Freudian slip there. Those rides just become a bit one dimensional. <coughs> Yeah, I have like quotes in my head about you all of a sudden, Simon. Like I see Braveheart yelling freedom before you go into battle and like Vader saying, you don't know the power of the dark side. Like, because I am 100% with you on freedom. Like, just go. Like, go ride your rides. Like at the local, I talk about this like at least five times in the Zipcast. Local group ride, Thursday night, stink and drink and get the old whiners sorry <laughs> like they're mad that some kid who's newbie wants to go fast with a couple of the other guys who had a rough day at work and want to go sweat it out good job but now hang out back here and it's just a chill day or i need a training day i'm gonna go with those guys right now i actually need that and you got the same people though and that's what matters though it's the same people and it sounds like to me you're like wow i like these same people and I like the experience of this ride. Maybe today me and Joe want to go flying off with whoever and whoever. And maybe on another day we're going to chill in and the fence wrecks that. Why do it? Mm. Whoa, I don't want that. So I'm with you. But at the same time, there's another side of freedom. Like, yeah, we need tools and utility. And if a good ride has tools and utility, of course. But I agree that some rides could be ruled by it. Well, freedom, freedom goes too far. Freedom Agreed. goes too far and it Agreed. becomes anarchy. And, you know, that, 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 that. That's that's one of the problems. I just, I mean, Shane makes a good point about it being configurable. You know, I mean, would there be a way of? Yeah, hmm. that's what I was saying about utilities. That's exactly what I was like. So that yes, we need places for it. I I think that good rides run with the right utility is going to then have the fence being used for those specific purposes. I do agree though that maybe a shiny tool like that might ruin rides that are just good in like governance amongst those who are used to what mm. they do you know like there could be a few of those out there that just uh, in that spirit that you seem to have found out there. Well, so, i mean the ride anyways, i did was uh, was a, a dirt ride dad dad's inside riding riding trainers and i think you know i think they're all pretty pretty experienced guys and as i say it just broke up into in, in, in into into little groups at different paces and actually you you could think to yourself well actually you know what i'm going to go hard for 40 minutes but then i'm going to drop back a couple of groups for the last 20 and you know i've got myself a good good hour workout there without without killing myself uh and all the groups seemed to be happy on their own including the beacon group around which there were many 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 riders you know so a lot of people have chosen that option interesting interesting anyway we'll see when the fence returns um whether it does whether it does change 
that's what seems to be a sort of self-regulation system that's developed. Okay, well, actually, that's nearly it this episode, fellas. It's um, it's a bit shorter this episode, but that's no bad thing. Uh, listeners have been telling me that these new weekly episodes have been piling up and they don't have time to listen to them. So uh, this one should allow you to catch up a little bit. Uh, we'll do a game update pretty soon, so that should give us plenty to talk about next step. Uh, and I know I keep promising this chat with the senior membership of the lead, uh, the senior member of the leadership team that is going to happen. But as you probably guessed by now, not this week. Hopefully, maybe next. Uh, they they are busy actually with something quite big, which is going to be announced quite soon. I think that's the reason for the delay. Uh, just before we go, because this is a story we've been following very closely. Um, sandbagging, uh, it has been watched very closely by Swift HQ. I'm sure they're very grateful for all the feedback they're getting, particularly in Swift Racers. Uh, Jordan, who is the architect of the new anti-sandbagging measures, has been talking to Eric at Swift Insider, and it seems he agrees with the point we were making last week, which was that the power throttling uh, just seemed to be a bit weak and, and lily-livered, and that is going to be bumped up. He says we're bumping up the baseline throttling uh, and also making it easier to tune, and we're adding in a multiplier that a multiplier that looks at how egregiously you broke the limits. So if you broke the limits by a lot, you're going to get hit a lot harder. Um, yeah, the, the example he uses is an A racer and a D race will get hit a lot harder than a C racer and a D race. Um, Shane, that all sounds definitely to be heading in the right direction. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, a lot of chatter about that. Uh, it was one of the hottest topics uh, last week. Was it? Uh, th that was the last week's gate. Uh, we've had so many gate mm. gates mm. recently, so it was sandbag gate or something like that. But uh, yeah, hot topic and uh, good to see them uh, actively uh, throwing a few things out there with the the Zwift. Uh, was it the Zwift beta races, Zwift HQ beta races yeah. they've been doing those in? Uh, let's hope to see them roll out for quite a few others as well, because that will be different on different courses. The crit race is always going to be strong, fast and hard. Um, the other races might be a little bit tamer where you'll only see the people uh, really break those rules maybe near the end of the last five minutes. So to see how it rolls out in a longer race will be quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. But from what uh, those comments to Zwift Insider, uh, Jordan definitely recognises that they've started off a bit too easy, I think, Nathan. Yeah, I actually saw... Uh, I'd have to agree with that, and it's cool that they're responding. I did a beta race Sunday morning, no, Monday morning, Sunday night. Uh, you know, I kind of skipped time zones here and there, but, um, and uh, Eric Min jumped into it, actually, along with uh, the Wellens brothers and a few others, and I saw a green cone. It was like, oh, that's the first time I seen a green cone. It was in the A race, too, so that was uh -huh. interesting. I was like, oh. What was that individual doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did they get tagged by someone? Like, I didn't know what was, because they were flying off the front and we were pushing, I averaged 4.7 or 4.8 for the duration of that race. So it was insanity every single time we went up the little climb on, uh, I think we're on the Dolphin on the, down, yeah. So it was, um, it was fast and crazy, but uh, it was cool to see. It also felt like the draft was a little bit different in the beta race. So they're definitely doing a lot of work around those, uh, those races specifically to try new yeah, things. Yeah. Well, for sure, it's going to be interesting to see when it's extended out to, to other courses beyond Crit City, which is all, all it's been tested on recently. Okay, well, that, that that's it, this one, boys. As I say, a bit shorter. Just before we go, um, I, I did refer to this earlier on in the episode, but what 
do you have on your bottom half? And I'm actually serious <laughs> about this whole track pants thing. Like, <laughs> well, no, because that's what you wear when you don't leave the house. That's what you wear, isn't it? So, you know, why wouldn't you kind of thing? And I did actually, literally, I did put a pair of jeans on the other day, which was a bit of a red letter day. My life is very, very, very tedious at the moment. So, you know, you remember things like, oh, that day I wore jeans. And they were so uncomfortable. Uh, uh, so Shane, uh, identify so, nature of pants at the moment and describe recent pants behaviour, please. I'm on webcam here with you guys. You've, you've, I'm in jeans. There are they're, they're comfortable, stretchy jeans, and they're the pair of jeans that you just wear for months and months on end. Of course, you wash them and then you wear them the next day after getting them out of the dryer. <laughs> but they're my one pair of pants, pants, um, yeah. and they are jeans. Uh, yeah, no, it's, I'm happy. I don't actually own any sweatpants um, because it's it's usually in Australia. It's just pants on or off, really. I mean, it's, that's, that's all it is. It's, it depends on the weather. <laughs> I know what you mean about that pair of jeans, but I think one of the other reasons for me wearing track pants a bit more often is I did actually put that pair of jeans on the other day. And and, and can I just say they were, um, they were just a little less comfortable than they used to be. Big. Is that a weird flex that you've been riding heaps and have massive thighs now? That, that's a strange flex. Isn't well, it? that's the charitable way of looking at it. Uh, the other way of looking at it would be, you know, when you get, Around the waist. Oh, right. yes, when you get bored, you go and think, oh, what's there a healthy snack that might be in the fridge? And suddenly you find out it's not the healthy snack that you're eating. Anyway, Nathan, identify pants, please, and describe recent pants behavior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, well, it is 2 a.m., so I am uh, wearing pajama pants you right did, now. You, you, you literally have first. pajamas on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have pajama pants on, yeah, right now. But um, so today is the first day I went the whole day with pajama pants. The and, whole and, day. <laughs> the whole day. The whole day. It is Tuesday, so everybody who was a part of those broadcasts will know that today I went through um, did I do actually, wait, wait, maybe. Okay. So here's how I think about it. I'll tell you about how I think about it. When I'm going to broadcast, um, I do have to stand up in between helping people. Like I get a lot of people into the call. Like I bring them into the software. So I think, well, I have to at least be wearing shorts, like, because I have to get up and walk away. And, like, and so like, they're going to see what I'm wearing. You know what I mean? But if I like t today, I, I don't think I had to get up at all. So I, I think... I'm not positive I went through the whole uh, day. No, no, I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty now. Today. So on the on the Zwiftcast pants podium, uh, I think yeah. we definitely we definitely have Shane on the top step because jeans in these times all day. I mean, you know, uh, that that is over the line first. I'm going to put myself in 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 the silver position. I'm going to put myself on on the second step of the podium because I do think track pants are becoming increasingly acceptable, but. Actually, I'm not sure pyjamas all day even gets you on the podium, Nathan, actually. <laughs> I think that might get you more lantern rouge, my friend, actually. You've got to get out of that habit. That's not a good habit. Definitely wearing – oh, come on now. This is uh, this is, this is <laughs> quarantine times, only reason. Come on now. No, I usually uh, am very aware of who I need to be in front of. And, like, there's something in the back of my head about, like, you know, because I could totally get away with it. The reality is I could totally get away with it. But I think, man, I, I have to have some sort of integrity here. There's like a thing to it. You know what I mean? Because I show up to these broadcasts every day and nobody sees the bottom half of me. Like, but I definitely think about that. Like, dude, come on, man. You're not going to be that guy. Really? You know, 
So. No, you can't be that guy. You can't be pajama guy. Uh, okay. All right. Well, uh, pants parade. I think that's enough for that. Excellent. Uh, great to talk to the both of you. And uh, I will look forward to doing it again next week when hopefully we'll have some game update stuff to talk about. And some pants on. All right. See you guys. Goodbye. Pants on. <laughs> <laughs> And the usual bit of housekeeping spot here, which is to say that we are very grateful for the continuing support that Zwift provides to the Zwiftcast. That support comes with no strings. We decide what goes in the Zwiftcast, not Zwift. Thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs>